Welcome to the Designing Hollywood podcast in association with the John Campia Show. I am your host, Robert Meyer Burnett. Today's episode is sponsored by the Costumes Rental Corporation. Our guest today is a costume designer born in Manchester, and she started her career at the Royal Exchange Theatre as a costume maker, and then studied costume design at the Wimbledon School of Art from 1990 to 1993. She was an assistant designer on films including Ridley Scott's Gladiator and Jake Scott's Plunkett McLean. She went on to design costumes for Ridley Scott's Black Hawk Down. She received the Costume Designers Guild Award nominations for Excellence in Period Film for The Imitation Game and Excellence in Fantasy Films, Ex Machina, X-Men First Class, and V for Vendetta. Her more recent film credits include Assassin's Creed, Marvel's original Ant-Man, Alex Garland's Annihilation and Ex Machina, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, and she did the awesome costumes for Marvel's Eternals, which was the biggest Marvel streaming movie in 2022. And she is back here on the Designing Hollywood podcast to talk to us about her work on Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. Without further ado, it is my great pleasure to welcome back Sammy Differ to the Designing Hollywood show. Sammy, it's great to see you again. It's great to have you here. And I was just saying for our viewers, I don't think anyone has worked on more diverse comic book films than you have. First, you 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 did V for Vendetta, which is based on Alan Moore's comic. That's a was released by DC over at yeah. Warner Brothers. Then you did the independent comic kick-ass for Matthew Vaughn, who you've collaborated with on Stardust and on yeah. Kick-Ass, and then you did Kick-Ass 2. And then, of course, for Marvel, you were when Marvel uh, was, was, was split between Marvel at Disney and Marvel at 20th Century Fox, you worked on X-Men First Class, where you knocked it out of the park again for Matthew Vaughn. You've been working, I mean, the Eternals costumes were so beautiful. You worked on the original Ant-Man, and and now you jumped ship. You defected again over to Sony and worked on Craven the Hunter. I mean, yeah. uh, you've you have, all the Marvel bases are covered. And um, I have to say, I'm a huge fan of your work in, in all of the things you've done. I mean, Stardust is, is absolutely beautiful. Um, but the work you've done specifically for Marvel across all of the studios uh, has just been exemplary. And, oh, thank you. you know, I, I, I wanted to just give our, our viewers a little bit of a background. Were you always going to get into costume design? Was it something you always wanted to do? Yeah, oh, design costumes, definitely. Not, not just comic book movies no, no of course i mean the imitation <laughs> game you've done that. period work i mean you've done yeah. you've done everything uh artemis fowl come back to that, that comic book thing but yeah i mean i i you know when i was very young i knew that was my i didn't really know what it was but um knew <laughs> that uh i loved making clothes and making you know interesting things not just kind of day clothes um and uh I think I when I, I I love watching all the Hammer horror movies when I was little, uh, and obviously the first um, Stardust, uh, sorry Star Star Wars movie, which um, was my kind of like oh my god this is what it is, um, and and yeah I, I I don't think I've ever wanted to do anything else. 
Did you? So, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but did you have a favorite Hammer horror film? Well, what's weird? I I really, I really liked the ones that um, they were mainly the Dracula ones. So the, you know, yeah, the ones but, with um, Christopher Lee I, playing Dracula. Actually, what, I don't know whether they were Hammer horror movie ones, but I really loved the Doctor Fives movies. Uh huh. With with uh, Vincent Price. Yeah, Vincent Price. I just loved those because it was just the. I don't know. There was something quite weird about those, and also the other one that I really loved was Theater of Blood. <laughs> oh, okay. Why. No, I got to tell you. First of all, if you guys haven't seen Theater of Blood or The Abominable Doctor Fives or Fives Rises Again, you just cited three of the great British horror films of all time. I mean, <laughs> Theater of Blood is is amazing. It's a, yeah. an amazing film. Actually, Theater of Blood yeah. and Doctor Fives kind of have a similar, have a similar. similar vibe. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, recent the other night I switched the telly on, and uh, and Vampira was on as well. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is this is cool. You know, it's just I, I think there was something weird and wonderful about those films that that sucked me into the costuming, particularly with Doctor Fives. There's all that kind of you know slightly strange design with it oh it's uh, fantastic yeah i'm a vampire circus fan myself that's one of my favorite Uh, hammer films it's terrific um but yeah so that makes sense so from way back you were you were a fan of 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 science fiction fantasy and horror with star wars totally it's interesting i mean quantum mania kind of is a combination of all of those things as well it's it's got elements of horror elements of star wars Elements of high yeah. fantasy, like you did with with Stardust and and Artemis Fowl. Yeah. So, yeah. so how did you did you know then when you you started to go uh, get educated and did you did you focus on design elements? Did you take art history courses? Were you taking design in terms of fabrics? Were you going to like people here in LA go to Fitum? But uh, when yeah. you were growing up, how did how did your costume education come about? So what's interesting is um, when I wanted to do that, there were no courses in it at all in England. There was one course in Liverpool, which was making, and then there was Wimbledon School of Art did a making and theatre course. So um, when I first went to college at 16, I didn't stay in like lots of people did. I went straight to art college. Um, And I just tried to, everything I did was trying to move it into something slightly more theatrical. So I did like a fashion course for um, my foundation, but always trying to push it into that, needing a reason with a story behind it, rather than it being, you know, more of a fashion making thing. I pushed it into storytelling. Um, And then um, I was really, I couldn't actually get on a course, obviously, because there weren't any. And so I went and begged the Royal Exchange Theatre to let me work for them for nothing. And after four weeks, they sort of were like, you can make, why don't you kind of be a, a trainee? So I ended up learning about four years of, of learning how to make period costume there. And then I went and did a degree in at Wimbledon on, on the, the then costume design course. And I think at Wimbledon, we were really lucky because the course was set up with um, a very heavy course on the history of style through the ages from mm. the year to, to now. And we, so, and we also did a lot of history of art as well as style um, and all kinds of other, you know, things other than just doing the, the craft. So I was, I was quite lucky that the course at that time was brilliant for all that foundation of knowledge, you know, and 
obviously being in London, you could go to any any of the, the museums and art galleries and stuff. And we'd often, because I was doing costume, they'd send us to the um, the National Gallery and we'd just, you know, choose a painting and study it and then try and make the costume from it. And, you know, so there was a lot of background knowledge drawn there, which is really helpful. Did you, yeah. did a did that go hand in hand with a film interest? Were you still keeping up with movies and seeing a lot of films? Funnily enough, when I when I was at college, I was such a theatre purist. I was like, theatre's the way to go, you know. And then I, I sort of, at the end of my course, met someone who, um, well, one of my tutors suggested I go and work with a designer called David Blight um, just to assist him for a while. And, I, and we started doing pop promos, and I was like, oh, there's this whole other world out there. Because I was, like, really innocent to a lot, a lot of the world of film, other than I love watching films. Um, so I didn't know about filming at all when I left college because it was a theater, you know, Wimbledon's based in theater, not film. So you were doing music videos. Is that what you mean by pop? Yeah. So you're so pop, pop music videos, yeah. did that teach you how to like work on the fly and create things quickly because. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally you would get, you know, a treatment and then they were filming the next day and you'd be overnight making stuff. Yeah. And it was just me, <laughs> you know, you didn't have a, a team at all. It was not that I'm saying I did it all myself, but there was no money for that. It was just like, you want, we want you to dress the band. And then we've got all these background people. I think the, the first pop video I did with David was for E17 and it was called a rap all around the world or something. And, and I helped him style all the background that the, the, the band were sort of styled by themselves really. Um, and, and, and it was just a real eye opener for like, Oh, this is a, another way, you know? And yeah, really like one day, two days max. Well, it's amazing. I mean, when you, your credits, you, you worked on a Bill Murray movie early on, The Man Who Knew Too Little. Then you found yourself on Gladiator, <laughs> yeah, was, which is a crazy yeah. production in the sense that they were writing the yeah. script as they went along, you know, and, and Gladiator is a huge period movie, a, a favorite of mine. How did you make that transition? You, you were in the theater world, then you were working on pop videos. How did you find yourself on a movie set? It's, it was really interesting. I, I I was doing like about 30 pop promos a year and literally just scraping by, living in London in a little flat and kind of mingling with all these crazy people who were like, you know, the promo world right. in West London. And it was fun. I, I knew loads of kind of, you know, people in bands and cool producers. and, and But it was all very kind of like day to day. And then I'd, I would always go into the BBC and the Angels to... Um, to hire costumes and stuff and root through all their crazy boxes of stuff that everyone had kind of pushed to one side. Uh, and I'd always go in there and find something that they couldn't code because they were like, oh, we didn't know we had that, which I kind of, I, I quite liked that. Uh, and then, and I used to meet people in there who would who worked within those places. Uh, and one of them introduced me to Janty Yates just by chance. They needed some people to dress on the Bill Murray movie. So I did 10 days working for Janty Yates on this Bill Murray movie. Hadn't got a clue what I was doing really other than just putting, you know, dressing people. I was really young. And, um, and then she kind of asked me if I wanted to do some commercials with her because she did a lot of commercials with all the comic strip presents people. And, uh, and then it just led to, we got, we had a bit of a rapport. She was really fun to, you know, she's a fun, big character and, 
um, kind of took me along with her. And uh, and then she got this Plunkett and McLean film and said, I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to Prague. And, uh, and I was like, oh, 18th century. I love that. And then I ended up her assistant. And it really was literally by chance. And so obviously we did that together. And then she asked me to do Gladiator with her. So I was then assistant designer on this movie. <laughs> she, she's been on this show. And like you said, she's yeah. amazing. I mean, she's so much yeah. fun to talk to. And, 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 you know, Plunkett McLean was directed by Ridley Scott's son. So, yeah. so you were in with the Scott family. You were in tight already, you know. I'm sure Jake said, oh, yeah, <laughs> bring her on board. Yeah. Um, but Gladiator, of course, um, in a way, it was kind of a precursor to what you have done with superheroes because Maximus's iconic armor and, and you know, they were the, yeah. they, they were the superheroes of their day, you know. They, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and he had that great helmet. You know, I mean, some I'm sure an armorer made that, yeah, but yeah. Maximus's gladiator helmet is any superhero today could wear that, and it would still work for their. Yeah, cost. I know, I know, I know that. You know, I God, I, that that it was such a for me that was such a journey in in like it was so massive, and I honestly don't know how Janty held it together sometimes because I, I, you know, I was like just kind of I don't know, just running along with her, you know, <laughs> and uh, and. There was so much armor in that. I did a lot of drawing on that. Oh film. yes, yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, and it was you know it was amazing. And there was like Rosemary Burroughs was the supervisor who actually did all those Hammer horror movies that I used to love when I was little. And you know I was kind of like, oh my god, this is a woman that did all the Hammer movies. And uh, you know we had a really lovely team. And it, it the stuff in that I think I just learned a lot about I don't know. The, the size of it, the you know, the amount you have to produce and keeping keeping on track and keeping calm and, you know, yeah, it's a learning curve that was. Well, then you go back and, and you did Black Hawk Down, which couldn't have been the yeah. easiest movie in the world. Another really Scott brings you on. I guess Janty couldn't do that one, so. And she suggested I do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, I, you know, I... I had a ball in a way because I basically, I had seven weeks prep, I believe, all in Morocco with only one other person speaking English with me at the time. Um, and David Murphy did all the military and I did all the Somalians. And I just used to spend days having people come to the the, the warehouse and we'd go through bales of trousers and I'd, you know, you'd be paying four dirhams for a pair of trousers and and then the man with the shirts would come and we were, you know, trying to kind of piece together this kind of sort of look from the mid 80s that transferred into Mogadishu at that time. And and there was, it was all there. There was all that kind of, you know, amazing clothing that, that had been lost <laughs> in, in that area, you know? So, it, yeah, I, that was another like styling on a massive scale for, you know, 3,000 Somalians or whatever. Yeah, but at least it was trial by fire, going from ancient Rome to modern Mogadishu yeah, or totally. 80s Mogadishu. It, who, it, it, it totally was trial by fire. I mean, seven weeks prep, yeah. Insane. Yeah. Well, then you, I, I think it's really interesting to see, like, you did things. You did a TV miniseries based on Chaucer's The Canterbury Tales, and you did Merchant of Venice yeah, just, and Ancient yeah. Egyptians. So then you had all this period stuff you did. And then, then for our viewers, I call them imagination connoisseurs. You did Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the feature film version of it. 
you know, that uh, I mean, I, I love the books when I was a kid, the radio show, then the BBC series and and then the, yeah. the, the big movie. And so suddenly you're you're you jumped into the sci fi fantasy horror world because after Kinky Boots, you did V for Vendetta um, and the Wachowskis yeah. produced that. Then you did Stardust. Then you were for Guillermo and Hellboy 2. Oh, yeah. And then you go back to a war zone with Green Zone with Paul Greengrass, and then yeah. and then you you just one fantasy project to another, and your work, I mean your work is it, I like your work because it has, especially the stuff you did in the fantasy realm, it has bold colors in it. Yeah, I mean I, I like I like to make color statements. Yeah, I mean I yeah. I love that, and and which I'm sure informed a lot of your choices in your latest work that's on screen now. Congratulations on that first weekend's box office. Not bad. Not bad at all. But as you, as you move through, I mean, I guess what's really interesting, like with Marvel, they have a visual design department. So a lot of the look of these things is, is established beforehand. And then also comic books, like when you worked on X-Men and you worked on uh, Kick-Ass and Hellboy and V for Vendetta, a lot of the look of these things is predetermined before you get there. How do you, as a costume designer, put your own spin or your own imprintur on these comic book uh, costumes that are so iconic, and, and how do you make them uniquely yours, or do you? And also, how is it, when you're trying to translate something that's only in a four color drawing into the re- into the reality of the real world that an actor has to wear and interact with light from the director of photography and the director how do you begin to do that it, it it's a it's a long journey that is i think every single project i've done i approach it sort of from its own perspective I don't kind of have a method I I actually probably do have a method but I think I just look at it as as this is this project and each each film has its own life anyway so you you never nothing ever seems to be repeated um and I think with all these a lot of the comic book films I've done we haven't really we've looked at the comic books but we haven't you know we've met we've we've followed the script so the script has its own life. Um, with Stardust, it was definitely um, whatever we wanted to do with it, really. And, and, and Matthew always said he wanted it to be like a cowboy movie, but in an, another, you know, in a, another period. And, and so I, we used all different kinds of things and mixed it in depending on what the characters were. But it's something like Marvel. Um, there is, yeah, the Viz Dev is is strong and it's great to work with um and you bring to life what they draw but also there's an element of working with them to kind of you know work with the body so nothing is totally set in stone really and then i mean with quantumania the whole thing was sort of designed from different angles um, from, I mean, certainly the amount of research we did on Quantumania was absolutely vast because I wanted to approach it from a totally elemental perspective. So I read a book about quantum mechanics, which everyone thought was hilarious, <laughs> but I did because <laughs> I thought we've got to come at it from some angle because nothing exists. Right. Um, 
And actually, it did give me some interesting insights into energy and, you know, magnetism and, and the stuff. And, I, and I, so I came at it from this kind of, like, we need to have things that are pulling apart and pushing together. And, and everyone was like, why, where's this going? Um, and so I started on a different angle and I looked at, like, the smallest creatures we, we could see, which is the tardigrade, which actually was in Ant-Man 2, I think, at some point. Um, and, and looked at all those creatures that are, are, are so microscopic and, 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 and all these things that grow, not just creatures, but like elements, um, and, and took, it, took all the colors and all the shapes and all the, the textures from, from that. And then we had the, this whole, you know, you've got your, the family and they've got their suits. And then you've got all the, 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 the different characters that are within the quantum realm that have an element to play in the journey. But then you've got all this background. And what do we do with all these <laughs> tribes of people that are, you know, stuck in the quantum realm fighting for their, their, their you know, their place in, in that world? And so we, I, I decided to do a color thing and start off with yellow, black, blue, uh, red. And we did have a green group as well, but I think we ended up not doing that. Um, and and, and uh, then, then added elements of, of minerals and microscopic things and, and texture into it. And, and you just kind of push it all together and then you go, these people, we want to stretch to being seven foot five. These people are going to shrink and give them bubbly heads. And, and you know, that, and, and it, it, that sounds really simple, but it, it literally was hundreds of boards oh, honing it down what? and textures of you know. I've got to ask you, this is the question, this is going to seem probably incredibly geeky to ask, but since you kind of brought it up, so when you're you're doing period costumes, you know what fabrics, where they come from. You know that leather comes from animals, and you know like where it can yeah. come from. So i got to ask this, it's just from the geek in me. So when you're at the quantum realm, and you're looking yeah. at tardigrades, what fabrics are in the quantum realm? Like, let's say you're going to make somebody a cloak. You can't make yeah. it out of wool. So, no. so did you have like, did you guys create a whole background of quantum fabrics that came from, like you said, yeah, like we we'll do. kill the tardigrade and we'll take his or yeah. its? We that is exactly exactly what we did. <laughs> I'm not kidding. We actually, I had, I had a, these different groups of, um, of people in the workshop who were dealing with um, either, we, we had a guy who was an amazing at knitting and, and I said to him, put away your knitting as in fashion <laughs> and go into, here's something that you can't knit, try and knit with it. And I, then I had these other groups of people in the breakdown team that were like, I want you to take this fabric and, and, and try and, turn it into it, i don't know whether you've seen you've seen the quantumania yeah yeah have you seen so the, the thing that they fly on when they get meet the, the yes the nomads so we i was like i want i want that skin i want to make that skin and at that time that wasn't really created so we made and i was like pretend that that, that is a creature what can we do to make yeah because they'd um, have to do that in post so it's not like you have one yeah. of those. You don't have we, a real we, one of <laughs> No, but, you know, it was it was just a, 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 a thing to spring off from. So we did. We made quantum leather. Right. And not fur, but spiky stuff. So we uh, the, the knitting guy, uh, terrible, I'm, I'm terrible with names, um, 
the, the people that um, did all that sort of textual stuff, they I, I got them to use things like uh, um, zip, you know, the things you tie you tie up with, um, you know, tie wires up with yeah. those little plastic. Yeah, yeah, just kind of zip, zip, zip ties. Braid and then made them, yeah, and then made them into like collars and stuff. I don't know, you know, we were thinking of spikes and lumps. And skins and and anything that wasn't you we could we did we banned feathers or anything that was of earth so it had to be um, te- only textures that were in in the reference. Wow! Um, and you might notice there was one group that's in is quite actually you see quite a few times that got all like lumpy lumpy stuff. So my breakdown team was so amazing at taking you know just a, a word or something and then going off and creating stuff and they they came back with this stuff that they stretched and then dropped um latex on and when it shrank back it was all lumpy like some kind of weird creature <laughs> so we made you know we made a team that were the lumpy guys <laughs> we gave them other names but you know they, it was it actually it was creating all that stuff was such fun because there was no rules really except it shouldn't be earthbound i love that now you would obviously work with peyton reed on the first ant-man so you you guys had a rapport and everything when you took these ideas to him he must have loved that did he love it did yeah (laughs) i think i blew his mind a bit (laughs) yeah i mean some things he was like can we pull it back a bit sammy (laughs) but yeah i mean you know i always think it's better that the sweetie shop is totally full then you can just go i only want that bit rather than going what else is there you know right yeah but it's fun how how long did this development process take i mean what was the, what's the lead time? Because Quantum Mania obviously was far far bigger than Ant Man One or Ant Man and the Wasp were by design. I mean, even Peyton Reed in interviews yeah. has said he wanted his Avengers level movie, and Kevin Feige said, "Yes, let's do that." So, yeah. what was? Give us a sense of from the time you're hired onto a, a film as large as Quantum Mania, how much time do you have in terms of development and building to make the costumes? Um, do you know, I can't actually remember what date we started filming, but we originally were going to start prep in July tw- 21. So during the middle of the pandemic? Was it, no, 22, 20, 20. So we, we got pushed because of the pandemic. And then I ended up, we ended up starting in the uh, November and then we shot the following summer. So I had probably seven months prep, something like that. Now, is that a lot for a movie like this or did you want it's more? Quite a lot, yeah. yeah. It was quite a lot. Uh, and we spent the first month or two doing just major R&D researching rather than anything, ta- you know, like tangible. And then and then we built the team up. And it, it was a constant, even through filming, we were still kind of developing stuff. Um it, it it was a long prep. I mean, it took it took a lot for people to get everyone to get their heads around what the quantum realm was, right? Um, and and because it, it's multifaceted, you know, it's it's like every dimension. Um, so it and 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 obviously trying to also think about the CG element of fitting in with all those colours that they they wanted and making it you know not disappear, but also not stand away too much. Yeah, it was it was a it was hot it was a hard thing to get your head around. So that's why I set I set off with the kind of elemental beginning because there was no you couldn't kind of go right. We need um, I, I mean I can't even think of what 
it, it really was down to colours, textures, then build yeah. it, what shape we want the bodies, and then, you know, and it grew. Um, because there's the great visual d design uh, department that you have that's developing these movies, sometimes years in advance, even so, with the quantum realm, how much reference did you have to work from? Because like you said, I would imagine color would be an issue because already the quantum realm is a rainbow of colors on its own. I mean, it's a really just incredibly visually dynamic place to be, but you also want to have your characters be able to stand out against the cacophony of colors. I guess yeah, it be c yeah. cacophony is not the right word because you hear cacophonies of sound, but you know what I mean? I mean, there's like so many colors. Yeah. So were you trying to, with the costume design, use colors that weren't necessarily in the foreground of the quantum realm to make characters stand out? And was that hard to do? Yeah, I mean, we obviously there was a lot of, um, uh, you know, co concepts of, of what the, the scenes were going to be like in the background, but we were shooting on the volume and, and on blue screen. And um, so you were kind of, to a point, we didn't know exactly what was going to be in the background, even though you have a, you know, a concept of, of, of a scene. Um, so I, one of the things I did was to make sure that, that there was nothing that had an edge that was like they needed to be sort of solid-ish characters so that they didn't, you know, like if it was see-through would be problematic. And then also there were see-through characters that were CG. So you kind of, you kind of want to not, you know, kind of go too far one way or the other so that it doesn't become complicated with what backgrounds they might be putting in, you know? But obviously the, the, the backgrounds are very delicate colors and swirly and, and the the characters were more defined, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. the, the ones that we did that were humans dressed, as it were. Um, and we tried to put patterns in there that were very tribal so that it was definitely something that was that creature had decided that they were going to mark themselves in this way rather than it just being something that was part of the background that was a different element, as it were. It all, it all comes down to elements in a way. One of the things, I mean, obviously Disney um, with Lucasfilm really has pioneered the use of the volume uh, on, a, on a large scale, both on TV shows and now movies. Like with blue and then green screen, has it been difficult or are there any unique problems working on the volume stages present to the costume department at all? I, I don't think there was actually. I mean, from, from our perspective, not, not really. Cause it's, it's like a screen. It's not, it's not like a. So you don't have to worry about like green screen and blue screen. You have to sometimes shy away from certain colors or things like that. Yeah, I really tried to push the boundaries with that. <laughs> you might have noticed that Bill Murray's in blue screen. Blue. I, 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 how did you do that? Like, I guess if you're shooting against a green screen or the volume, you can get away with stuff like it was that. In the volume. Yeah. Uh, you know what? That particular costume, that was a kind of like, where, do, what, who is Kryla? Um, yeah, where did you go for the inspiration of that? Was he. So basically, it came from him, his boat, his, his boat, his yacht, his quantum yacht that he arrives in. And, and Peyton um, always likes to have an element of kind of humor about, you know, the, the presentation of certain things. And, and he was like, well, he's driving a yacht. He needs to be wearing, you know, like 
boating gear and that was kind of where it was and so we kind of went through all these versions of like white canvas shoes and white trousers with a blue you know making it like a sailor sort of thing and it and then it kind of it kind of came more towards like a uniform but not and just just that that was where it came from was it's a boat <laughs> in a way I mean that sounds really simple but you know it it, it wasn't and then it, it became a he 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 really liked the blue the blue and the white together. And so we put all those little elements in there. Like he, some of his jewelry was made meant to look at one point, like it was a quantum friend that he had stuck to him. <laughs> well, that's amazing. <laughs> He's got like little <laughs> how was it, how is it like when you're, when did Bill Murray have an inkling of that? This is how it was going to go. Like when you first met Bill Murray, did you say you're on a boat? <laughs> did you tell, did, and did he like that idea? Yeah. I mean, I said, you know, it's a yacht. And, yeah. So yacht, uh, I should say a yacht. Yeah, no, it's fine. I, I, I said both too. Uh, no, he was great. I mean, he just he just liked the humor of it, and he, as long as he was comfortable, and he he liked the cape we gave him, and he had a stick, and he, you know, and he kind of he just liked all the you know periphery stuff, <laughs> made him look a bit a bit weird. <laughs> that little quantum sort of textured jabot we gave him. Did you? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. He was great. I was going to say, of all the crazy creatures and characters and things that you designed, other than the principles, did you have a favorite? Ooh, the background sort of. Yeah, any of the things. not not necessarily yeah. the principal characters, I mean, but was there something that we yeah, should look at next time the, we see the movie that you particularly love? Yeah, I mean, there there are the, some of the groups that we did. We we did these. There was this artist that we found who'd done all these pictures of people in masks with fringing. And I was like, let's do the fringy face people. So the red characters in the background are like, they're like sort of like the robe, like North African style, but they've got all these kind of belts that look like they're much more hand beaten. And then they've all got fringed faces. And the only thing you see is these white eyes that are just like a light. I quite, I, we, I enjoyed those because they were just a bit weird. <laughs> and then also the tall, uh we gave them all names what were they called them one of them were mystics and i can't remember which um these the tall there was these really tall yellow people and we cast people that were all like six foot six over to seven foot two wow and they they we had these like yellow onesies that they had on and they had this quantum pattern on them that we'd taken from some insect or or creature from the from the microscopic world and printed it onto this uh this onesie and then we made some of them the leather that is supposedly a quantum creature that they've found to make their armor out of and and then they had these heads with um weird kind of to make them look even taller like slightly african feel to them but they weren't african at all they 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 all came from quantum shapes from and also books on different types of beetles wow okay yeah well now i've got to ask you so one of the great things about the Marvel Universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is your villains. And obviously yeah. one, of the, one of the standout things about Quantumania is the introduction of the comic, quote-unquote, comic-accurate Jonathan Majors as Kang. And at yeah. the, one of the things I like, this maybe this outs me as a supreme uber geek, but I really love to watch the live red carpet arrivals at the premiere uh, at, for Marvel movies, because a lot of the time they have costumes on display. 
you know, and, and, yes. and they did, yeah. they had the, so, and plus I love seeing the actors and, you know, I'm a geek. What can I say? But Jonathan Majors is clearly a force to be reckoned with. And the Kang costume is dope. Mm-hmm. That costume is awesome. And, and, and mm-hmm. not only is it, um, I mean, to see, to see the classic comic Kang realize but at the same time like there's a lot of purple in that costume kang was always purple but it's not like yeah it's not like prince purple rain purple it's a special no. purple that that you know it it's, it's it's it uh, it's kang purple you know yeah it's kang purple it, it was very honed i, I mean i gotta you gotta tell me about the development of uh because you've got armor you know armored pieces you've got fabric pieces yeah. it's asymmetrical yeah. pieces boots give me the skinny i need to know everything about the development of Kang. So, so that obviously you know this dev from marvel came up with the the design and yeah, then, but then you have to make it it's one thing yeah, if it's a but, painting you know, yeah, it it, it it was an impossible make. So we had to make it possible in a way, if you know what no, I mean. No, first of all, why, okay, like, why was it impossible? Because if it, it was the, the, a lot of the, the, it was such a, such a journey, I can't tell you. A lot of the problem we had was, is it hard or soft? Right. You know, yeah, it's quantum. <laughs> is it what? What is the what is this this thing made out of? It can't be metal because that's earthly. It can't can it? Or, or what? What is metal in the quantum realm? Does it bend more? You know, we asked ourselves all this. Even answers that kind of. I was like, what do they breathe down there? Which didn't it was always like, don't ask that question. <laughs> you know, so we were asking questions that about like, what are the elements? Of everything that was from now, there. did you ever like? Him, did you ever go to Peyton Reed and say, "Yo, what's this supposed to be?" Did he know? Yeah. Did he have an answer? <laughs> yeah. Do, do, you, do you have to call Kevin no, Feige and go, no. "Like Kevin, what's this made out of?" In the quantum realm. No, honestly, we made we made Kang's costume out of different substances to try and work out: is it fabric? Is it floppy? Is it a print? Is it is it like what we did? on Eternals is it hard with with lines going in and that's what where we ended up uh which I was probably pushing that with Ivo who is my sort of amazing genius armor maker um who's worked with me on all of these things um you know he 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 was like I know you're going to ask more and more. And I, and I was like, it all needs to be hard, apart from the bits that touch his body, which are soft. And yet they've got hard elements in. So the make of that costume was so complicated because we had to put, because it was so complex, particularly arms and legs, we had to make a stretchy body that had a type of print on it that was that you could see that looked like wire, but then the the elements that were hard had to be bonded into the soft, the soft. So it still looked like it was hard and soft, but we're talking like centimeters at a time. So we had to make a onesie that had special printing on it that had holes in where we needed to put the other pieces in to make it look like it was all one. So it was it had layers and layers and layers of stuff going on. And then the bigger part of him 
was all made in separate sections and then articulated together. Because when you get like, you know, you've got the collar and then another collar and then a shoulder and then a shoulder and then a shoulder, you could you couldn't move. So we had to have it articulate in on itself like an armadillo. But the, the only, you could only do that to a point because, you know, physics, when you pull something like this, it, it gets longer here. So we also had to make different versions that had pieces missing, depending on what the action wow, was. Okay. It was super complicated. And then the cape at the back was a huge, it was a fabric that I found and I was determined to use it. And everyone was like, this is never going to work. And it, it was like a mesh. And depending on where you looked at it, it was purple or blue, uh, sorry, purple or green. And, um, and, and I was like, well, it's going to be a continuity nightmare because <laughs> it'll never look the same in any light. But we also printed onto that. So it was like, mesh with a print that was like another mesh bonded together yeah it was it was and it took months to make wow i mean that i love that that it took because it's it should take months i mean kang needs the finest so it was it was a a long so how did you just just uh uh settle on the purple the kind you said you had you know i've always so amazing at, at, at doing surfaces um and and we just did every single shade of purple and then honed it down and we were like, who, who likes this one? <laughs> Payson, Stephen, you know, where, where we are, uh, you know, and, and Andy Park. We, you know, we, we had a lot of backwards and forwards Andy Park at Marvel. Yeah. Um, and, um, and we just honed it down. So it was a purple that isn't blue and it isn't red purple. It's like, right. a, it's like, a, it's got like a fuchsia to it, but not, it, it, and it was, it's different layers of colors. It's not just one shade it's got kind of got a base layer a metal base layer and then a purple layer and then a blue and then a, a yeah layer well yeah so it's so when you get i mean that's amazing and i i <laughs> I, I mean when you light something like that it must be spectacular when you're on set and you're seeing it hit by the the light for the first time you know that yeah. must be amazing yeah well when yeah. you design something like that what's it like when you finally like how long were you working on the Kang costume before, say, Jonathan Majors ever came in for a fitting? Did he see it later? We did, we did a lot of fitting. We, well, because so he, he, this was the other thing with this film is we were still in the pandemic world. So we, when we started prep, we weren't allowed to travel anywhere. So we had to wherever the the, the lead guys were, we had to have someone in that country. We sent items to base fit. Wow. So. We had something quite early, and I think he was. I think he went to the Marvel warehouse quite early, and Wendy fitted him for us, and we did zooms to start with because we 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 weren't allowed to fly. Right. Sure. So we 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 were base fitting with a onesie, so we could mark on it where we were starting off with, and then we would send another one, and then eventually we were allowed to have them over i think i don't think we went no i don't think we did yeah so the the main fitting was done in the last month and a half i think like he it was pretty he's so good in the role like what yeah. what was it like when you first got him in the full-on costume like did he did his performance or did he ask was it when he first got in the costume was it easy for him to move because you know he has to move both quickly and then he has to look regal at the same time so what was his reaction to the costume 
once he had the whole thing on? And did you adjust it based on his movements and things that he knew he was going to do in his performance? Yes. I mean, it, it was it's such a tricky costume. Um, we were still adjusting through through shoot, to be honest. Right. But we did work out. We knew that there were certain ones we'd have to make that, that didn't have the shoulders on just because of the amount of fighting needed. But um, I don't I, – I, I actually don't know whether – I can't even tell which ones we use now in the <laughs> film when I've seen it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. But um, we did um, – th- there was some movement issues, yes. He, he and, and, and there was times when it was quite painful to wear, and we adjusted it and took, we, had, we had to cut the whole back out of it at one point because Jonathan also is very, very physical. Yeah. Um, and he, he got more shaped – as we went on. So we'd have to be shaving bits off to kind of, so he could literally open his back up. So there was, there was a lot of, thank goodness he had a cape <laughs> because that covered a multitude. Um, but uh, he was, he was very, very fab to work with. He, he definitely, he, he, he liked the look. Um, and he, he would say if he, if there was anything that was uncomfortable, um, and he, he he just took it all in his stride, and he was he he really um, you know embraced the, the Kang uh, when it was on. It was quite quite a thing. Uh, well, yeah. that, I, uh, I didn't ask you this before, but now that you've dressed X Men, you've dressed Eternals. Do actors, when they first put on these these, whether it's a superhero or a supervillain, what's it like when an actor <laughs> first sees themselves? In those costumes, is it fun for you to watch them, like yeah. like just first play and and move around like when they're first fully dressed for that first time and they see themselves in a mirror? Do people change? Yeah. Do they suddenly like stand yeah, up straight? Stand up. <laughs> yeah, I think once you know, because you go through quite a lot of fittings with them, and often the first couple are pretty terrifying for them because they go, "I don't understand how this is going to turn into this." And, and because you need five or six or even seven or eight fittings with them, and the first few are usually pretty, like, random and, right. and pinned on and, and, and not fitting properly. And, that you know, but most most of them kind of go, I'll just go with it. And then when they finally see the fitted version and, they're, you know, they look in the mirror, it, it, it does change them, you know. It's, it, I remember Paul in the first Ant-Man, he just was, like, in the ant suit and didn't want to take it off. <laughs> he loved it. it. It was so joyous to see that. Yeah. Well, you had Cassie. You know, you had you had uh, Scott Lang's daughter. So you have you yeah. have a, a third quantum suit with her. You know, the quantum family now. What was it like? She was fantastic in the film. She's, so yeah. good. Yeah, and yeah. and again, you know, one of the things about why I watch these red carpet things is because you you want to see what the actors are like in real life. And she was so delight she was so <laughs> delightful. What was it like? What yeah. was it like for her to get her her suit? Oh, she she was made up. I mean, she just loved it. And and you know, it was she she yeah, she just she was amazing. I think I think it's just so, you know, she's she's young and funky and she's gorgeous and and she just couldn't wait to get it on and and you know, it was you know, there, there were elements of fitting that we had to sort out because they're, they're, they're not easy to make, you know, and it, it is like nuances of a few millimetres makes all the difference. Um, and we try to build in stretchy panels in places just so that they can actually breathe or right. move. 
Um, and there's lots of tricks in there, but yeah, she she loved it. I, I mean, she was pretty made up when she when it was done, and you know, she looks great in it. Has there been, you know, the 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 Ant Man costume from Ant Man One, call it the classic Ant Man costume, has sort of evolved. It's evolved through Ant Man One, and then yeah. Civil War, and then the Avengers movies. For you, is there a significant difference between that first Ant Man costume you built for the first Ant Man movie? And then we've come quite a long ways since then to yeah. Quantum Mania. Uh, is there much difference in the Ant Man suit, the hero suit? Did you have to rebuild it and and rebuild it differently, or is it pretty much the same? I, you know, every, I think every film he's been in, there's been a different yeah. suit. So I think he's got five or six or something like that, something like that. Um, the very first one that we did was very analog. Is set from the 60s and it was meant to look like a leather suit that had been sort of retrofitted with all the tech to make him shrink. Whereas I think as it's evolved, the one we've done for the quantum realm is definitely um, more internal building, as it were. If you were, if the tech was there, you don't really see it sure. as much as it's armor. And, um, and you know, I know um, the Viz Dev department have kind of tracked that journey and he, each one each one is its own it, when you look at them they're, they're definitely all quite different yeah. even though there's a similar shape to the chest area and stuff i don't i i, I haven't been involved in the middle bits so right you said <laughs> but, but you've learned so i mean <laughs> you've had so much experience i mean probably more so than any hollywood costume designer in terms of super heroics because you've gone through what's that do you think? Am well, I... in terms of because you, you know you've worked in so many different between. I mean, think about it with with Hellboy and X Men and V for Vendetta, and then yeah. and then you've gone to Ant Man. Now you've done Craven the Hunter uh, across multiple studios, but different kinds, and yet you've had insight because they're all comic book characters. I think you probably yeah. worked on the most of 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 anyone in terms of the diversity. Yeah. What what yeah. what what are some of the secrets? I mean, if you could give us, what is the philosophy behind making a great superhero or super villain costume? Are there some tricks that only you know? Oh, I think if I know them, Ivo knows them. <laughs> well, you work together, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um. Although you know, it's interesting because there's. It's something that Ken said to me actually. When we, he 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 has this kind of thing about super that that a costume. Is this Kenneth Branagh? Yeah. He, and I should he say, I should point out that of course Kenneth Branagh directed the first Thor movie for Marvel, and I think they really yeah. set a tone because that the what he was what Kenneth Branagh was able to do in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he was able to make you believe that Thor. Asgard, the Rainbow Bridge, that all those characters could exist in the same universe with Iron Man and Captain America. And that was not necessarily yeah. an easy thing to do. So I can't wait to hear. What did Ken tell you? No, it's just, it was, it's more about kind of clothing is that, you know, when you, and it's something in, in uh, Artemis we talked about is that the suit isn't just a, 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 a jacket and trousers. It's a superhero armor. And and that, and that was and it was the first time I'd ever kind of clocked that. And he said it to me since 
that this is my superhero armor and 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 it is it's not necessarily something tangible but i think it's to do with there's a there's an element to a superhero look and it doesn't have to be a superhero suit because there are certain you know characters i've done that are i mean i've some some stuff that i can't talk about yet because it's not out yet but that it, it can still be something that's found in our world, but there's a tweak to it that makes it something that's slightly off from clothing that then becomes a superhero. And it can be the, the shape of it or the, the line of it or just an element that you add in there that makes it become super, if you know what I mean. I don't, I don't know how to no, describe I... it, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't cross into the jumpsuit thing. It's more than that. Sure. No, absolutely. Um, well, that begs the question. So Marvel has its visual design department. Quantumania is the 31st MCU movie. So then you do that, but then you have to go back over to Sony. And they've got their Spider-Verse movies. You know, they're doing Madam Web. They've done Morbius. They've done yeah. the Venom movies. You're doing Craven the Hunter. Craven the Hunter is one of the most iconic of all Super or Spider-Man villains. You know, the, Craven's Last Hunt one of the great uh, storylines in Spider-Man history. So when you go over there, you're working with an actor that already played Quicksilver in Avengers Age of Ultron for the Marvel Marvel Cinematic Universe. So he's already been a superhero. He's been a mutant. And now he's Kraven the Hunter. <laughs> so he's already, not only has he, he's already been in a Marvel movie as another Marvel character at a different studio. So I got to ask, I'd be remiss to ask, and I know it's not out yet and you can't say much, but so when you've worked with an actor that already understands this, and by the way, he had a great costume in Avengers Age of Ultron and spoiler alert, yeah. they killed him, which is too bad. But, um, and then they had another Quicksilver at Marvel at Fox. So, so when you're working with an actor that's already done this, does it make it easier to costume them because they're already, they already understand what goes into it and like what Kenneth Branagh was saying? Maybe. I mean, maybe, maybe. I, I think, I mean, uh, you know, I've worked with Aaron on Kickass, so. That's what I was going to say. I mean, you, you've, you've worked with him and he already had, a, and that was a rough costume to deal with as well because it's more of a, Oh, oh, that was hard to me. That was so simple and yet not. <laughs> yeah, the lines on it were tricky. Um, does it make it? I, don't, I think it makes it easy because you know an actor would understand the pro like with Paul. He understands the process. Paul would understands you got all these fittings to do, and you know, is there a way we can take bits off of it when I'm doing certain action pieces? Um, yeah, yeah, maybe. You know, I think. Yeah, I you know, when we were on Eternals, obviously a lot of them hadn't worn those things before and um, the director hadn't done, you know, those kind before. So it's a bit of a terrifying journey from an, their expectation. Um, so, you know, if you've done it before, yes, I think it does make it easier because you can go, don't worry about that. And they, they know they don't need to worry about X, Y, or Z. Yeah. It's funny because there's, there's not a lot of actors like Aaron Taylor Johnson, like... Um, um, uh, Chris Evans, who's 
plays Captain America or who played Captain America for Marvel had been the Human Torch over at Fox in another Marvel property. Oh, yeah. And then he was in a, yeah. a DC movie and then he became Captain America. So Aaron Taylor Johnson, yeah. I guess Craven is his third third comic book character. Yeah. yeah, which is Yeah. Um and obviously because he's a hunter, you get to go back to more leathers and earthbound costumes, I would imagine. Um can't tell you. And I, I know, I know you can't. I, I'll be real. I can't because it's not even finished. No, 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 it, so. no. It doesn't come out till the end of the year anyway. And I wouldn't want you to. The, yeah. the, I, there's so many times I would never want to get anybody in trouble. I just think it's pretty cool. I wish. Yeah, I could. but that you have worked on so many of these properties all the way back to V for Vendetta. I mean, and and yeah. Hellboy is also uh, Mike Mignola's. They're they're going to oh, do yeah. another Hellboy movie, and you work for Guillermo. I know. Um, huh? it, which is crazy. With Guillermo? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Not with Guillermo. But the, the, Guillermo did two. Then uh, um, uh, Neil Marshall did the last Hellboy movie. Now one of the yeah, directors yeah. of the Crank movies is going to do another Hellboy movie for Millennium. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. I just think it's cool that you've worked You've worked across studios, across <laughs> – you've done in, indie yeah. superhero because <laughs> – because uh, Hellboy's Dark Horse, and I think Kick-Ass was either Dark Horse or Image. And then you've done DC with Vifra, and, and you've done yeah. Marvel, and now you're at the other, the Spider-Man Marvel universe. I mean, it's... Yeah, I know. You could write a book. You know, you're, my journey through <laughs> superheroics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, sort of to finish up on, on Quantumania, overall, what did you learn creating all these was uh, after doing all these superhero costumes what was the thing on quantum mania that was different than any of the other uh films that you'd done in the past what oh well i mean 100 percent. there we had to create the whole world it wasn't even there was not there was no line to follow when we started we made the lines right. <laughs> you know <laughs> Yeah, that that was you know, and the big thing I learned was I needed a rest after it. <laughs> I can, all, but, can um, only imagine. It was it was tremendous fun. It really was, and um, you know, it it it's it. I think if I did it over again, I might have I might not approach it in the same way. But um, it was just because we went all out wide to see what where we could gather it, um, and I think that was probably great for us as the, the design team kind of weaving away pretty terrifying for everybody else. Cause we, we offered up so much. It was a bit, you know, broad, um, but that's okay. But I think I did enjoy the researching on that tremendously because it, it was just fun to look at stuff that you wouldn't normally think about bringing into, um, to costume, you know, kind of microscopic right, creatures and, what that what happens when something gets smaller and the magnetism that it produces to push things together and pull things apart i learned that you know <laughs> i love that quantum mechanics well it's 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 a it's such a fun film to watch and all the work that everybody did was it's it's so much yeah. fun to sit in that theater and see yeah. all the design work and all the creatures and characters and you you again you know there's a reason why there's been 31 marvel movies since 2008 and uh i know you, it's crazy right and there's gonna be 31 more it's crazy <laughs> yeah 
Oh, probably. You know. Well, listen, <laughs> yeah. for people, there's going to be a lot of people that that watch these and they always want to know where can how do they begin? If somebody wants to get into costume design, I mean, now we have so much social media where you can look. Uh first of all, do you have an Instagram account? Can people follow you on social media? I hate social media. Okay, well there you go. I really bad. I do have a Facebook account, but it's more for like family things. Right. But I, I am, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit, I, I find, I, if I go on Inst, uh, Instagram, I don't understand it because I thought it was for pictures. No, it is, you know. <laughs> and it's suddenly, you know, and I, so I'm, I'm a bit of a kind of um, anti-social media. It's, a, it's okay. That's. <laughs> it's really terrible. I don't even have a website. That's all right. But your work, I mean, I'm telling you, the geeks would seek you out. You could, you, they would. Yeah, no, they do. They do. <laughs> now. That's um, fine. No, it, it is, it's hard. It is hard to get into costume on a serious note. Um, and I think that, it, you know, it's cheesy thing to say, but you have to just follow your heart with it and, and, you know, learn as much as you can about um, people, fabrics, art, you know, it all everything about art history and and style and politics and human nature it all comes into play with costume designing. Even even if you are, you know, doing a, a film about quantum realm, there's always there's something you can pull, you know, um, from some something in history from I don't know the Etruscans or or even you know the Second World War or or you know. Yeah, I mean, do you know what? That both those things we pulled into quantum realm. Um, you know, we did, we had to do um, miners, and we decided to make these. Mi- I mean, you don't. I don't even know whether you see them in the film. I don't don't recall them, but we 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 had to think about what are they mining. Right. You know, on the then, quantum level, the, can they can they breathe it in? <laughs> what what will it burn them? Will it freeze them? And then you know you make you know, and it's all those things about a character comes from asking questions about their what's their me- meaning or, or you know what's their place in that in that scene and and i think that the more you can learn about everything about life uh and and you know history is it helps with 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 designing costumes because you just don't know you need a you need in your head a, like a kind of um a little drawer of how to ask the questions and then where to look for the answers, you know? Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. I mean, it's a great answer. And um, I, I think that um, I love what you described that people need in terms of becoming uh, a costume designer. And it, it, what a great way. I mean, so there you have it, people. If you want to get involved, you have to learn all that is learnable. you got to go to school and have an <laughs> academic background. Well, listen, I, I will not ask you, if Andrew Garfield appears in Craven the Hunter, don't say anything. Don't tell anybody, because then I'll get in trouble and they'll never let me talk again. <laughs> but I will I will ask you about uh, A Death in Venice. You, you're you working with uh, Kenneth Branagh again on the third Perot film, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I'm a huge fan of what he did with Murder on the Orient Express and Death in Venice. He's clearly, you know, he's in his element. And what's it like getting back together with him and working with him again? Oh, it's great. I mean, uh, you know, what was really nice about that is, I mean, that's obviously not out till later in the year, but um, it's just nice to go from, you know, I'd done 
couple of Marvel films and then did a Craven that's still ongoing. And then, uh, and then suddenly, I'm in, you know, in Venice <laughs> on a period piece. And it was just really nice to kind of come right back down to, you know, you know, he, he his, his films are always about the characters mm -hmm. and this kind of group of people. And it was really refreshing to, to kind of, you know, come into a smaller space to, to create something that's much more controlled and, um, you know, and tell a story uh, that's, and he is theater. I mean, he 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 yeah, is British he theater. Like he's one of the the great. Yeah, you know, and it, 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 yeah, and he, you know, I I really enjoy working with him. Actually, he's a, he's a great disciplined um, director and actor, and uh, you know, and he it's it's just a really nice kind of balance from being quantum realm to that is is just so opposite, and and yet and you know it's creative in the same way. So and it's interesting, you know. Yeah. It's interesting just from a, a Disney perspective. What I find uh, so fun about Kenneth Branagh is he directed the live action Cinderella with Lily James as Cinderella, sort yeah. of setting the tone, setting the setting the the table as it would be for all the following big Disney live action adaptations, whether it was Beauty and the Beast or whether it was Aladdin. We have Little Mermaid coming out yeah. doing that Cinderella film, which I. Uh, you know, I got dragged to it. I'm like, what do I want to go see a live action Cinderella film for? I loved that movie. It was fantastic. Yeah. And then at the same time, he also directed Thor, which which was really setting the tone for the rest of the cosmic. I don't think there would be an Ant-Man uh, and the Wasp Quantumania if, if Kenneth Branagh hadn't done what he did in the first Thor movie because he made uh -huh. audiences believe in in in, yeah, in yeah. I mean whether the quantum realm or Asgard, uh, so Kenneth Branagh has a lot a lot of Disney's uh, continued success at the box office. Kenneth Branagh had a hand in in the establishment and building that foundation um, because if he didn't bring and I think it was his work in the theater and his work in being the kind of director that that he was and what he brought to it. It's there's an argument that can be made that he was definitely one of the cornerstones of the last 20 years of Disney's success. So it's yeah. pretty cool that you guys work together. Um, yeah, I, I, I've, I've enjoyed the last six. Amazing. Years. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, he, he gives one hell of a St. Crispin's Day speech in Henry V, his debut feature. You can tell him that for me. <laughs> I've watched that speech so I, many times. We few. We happy few, we band of brothers. <laughs> well, li listen, <laughs> Sammy, and I'm not going to mess this up, Sammy Differ. It was so great to speak with you again on the Designing Hollywood podcast. And I've got to say, Quantum Mania, everybody should go see it. Your work, you knocked it out of the park, you and your great team. Um, what, what, a, what a great conversation we've had. And thank you for your insight into this thank very you. cool movie. Thank you so much. It's lovely to see you again, All right. Too. We'll talk again, I'm sure. And thank you to our very impressive sponsor, Costumes Rental Corporation. The variety of costumes at Costumes Rental Corporation is expansive. CRC is recognized worldwide as the premier supplier of military and police costume uniform rentals. Costumes Rental Corporation takes pride in its commitment to each customer, helping to produce the type of exceptional look needed for a successful production. 
A special thank you to founder and executive producer Martika Ibarra, co-founder, costume designer, the legendary Marilyn Vance, and of course, John Campia from The John Campia Show. Our technical director is Taylor Gonzalez. Thank you to all of our viewers for tuning in and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Tune in to the audio version wherever you listen to podcasts. I am, of course, your host, Robert Meyer Burnett, and you can find me on Instagram at rmburnett or find me on Twitter at burnettrm or on YouTube at postgeeksingularity. Thanks very much. Like, subscribe, and give us your comments. What would you like to see on the channel? Right down below. Thanks very much for watching, and we'll see you on the next episode of Designing Hollywood.